It's the toughest, most important job in the world. Four kids. If you want to know what it's like to have a fourth, just imagine you're drowning. And then someone hands you a baby. This is The Mom Show. It's where moms come to learn and share. Our host is Lindsay Ertz on KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. Welcome on into the Mom Show today. Thank you for joining us. I'm excited for all the guests I have on with me today. This is a record number of guests on the Mom Show at one time, and we're, we are, full disclosure, doing this via Zoom, so it's possible. Uh, in this COVID era, but we're going to talk about some proposed legislation up on Utah's Capitol Hill that is looking to get rid of the sales tax on feminine hygiene products. And this is something that largely impacts women in Utah. Uh, And so I have uh, two of the representatives involved in this legislation. First, um, Representative Spenlove, let me start with you. You are the uh, co-sponsor of this bill. Why don't you just start by telling me what it's aiming to do? Thanks, Lindsay. It's great to be with you. Uh, so th- this is similar legislation to what we've seen in the past, and it, it, it's pretty straightforward. Essentially, what it says is for uh, feminine hygiene products, it removes the, the sales tax. And so it has a, a benefit of uh, taking one of these essential products and and uh, re- reducing somewhat the cost of that. And, you know, it, like I said, it's pretty straightforward, but I think it's pretty important, too. Well, you mentioned the term essential products. Um, You know, here in Utah, we have certain products that are taxed with sales tax, certain products that are not. Also at a federal level, we have federal tax, sales tax on um, things like Rogaine and things like Viagra. But yet there's still uh, pads and tampons, feminine hygiene products are not considered medically necessary. Can you speak to one, why that classification doesn't exist right now and and what this uh, getting rid of this sales tax would mean for women in Utah? Yeah, and you know, and uh, it's really interesting. There's a kind of a, a long history of kind of this space. And it's, uh, th- there's traditionally been some resistance to this uh, and mostly be the, the reason for that is that just like you kind of alluded to, what is medically necessary? What is an essential product? And um, and so th- if you kind of look at, if you think about general tax policy, I know, you know, there's nothing more boring than talking about tax policy, uh, but the general rules of pet tax policy is you want your tax base to be as broad as possible and then as low as possible. And so there's always a, a concern about narrowing that tax base and uh, and making our uh, revenue more volatile, uh, but uh, and I'll tell you, I I really credit uh, Emily uh, McCormick for this. Uh, when I first came into the legislature for the last, you know, so I'm I'm in my uh, eighth session, and I had been a no on this bill uh, pretty much every time it came up because I'm a kind of a tax policy purist. And, uh, and I, I don't like seeing that sales tax base uh, kind of fall apart or eroded. And uh, Emily came to me, uh, what was it, two years ago, I think it was, and said, can I just sit down with you and talk to you about this issue? And so we sat down in my office and she walked me through it and explained to me how important this is, uh, you know, to not only just to women, but specifically to low income, low income women. And uh, explained to me how you know how difficult it can be uh, uh, to to be able to essentially operate, go to school, 
you know, if, uh, if there aren't access to these uh, products. And honestly, Emily is a very good lobbyist and she flipped me. And so I, I went from an opponent to a supporter and as any good advocate, she then kept pushing. And she, and, uh, she uh, a year ago, asked me to help uh, get this into the, the tax reform bill that we had last year. And we were able to get it into the tax reform bill. Uh, it, uh, the, the bill passed. And so we, this was actually the law of the land a year ago. And, um, and then unfortunately, the entire bill was repealed. And so Emily had to start over again. <laughs> and she came to me last summer and said, would you be willing to be the sponsor of this bill? And, uh, and I agreed to do it. And so, you know, that's kind of where we are now. And we're just trying to help uh, explain the importance of this and kind of move through the legislative process. Yeah, and um, I think Emily told me that for a full 29 days, there was no sales tax on feminine hygiene products in 2019. So yeah, this has been an issue that's gone around a few times up on Capitol Hill. Uh, let me bring in my other guests. Obviously, Emily Bell McCormick is here with us, but Carrie Lisenby is also another representative, uh, a Republican woman up there on Capitol Hill. And uh Representative Lizenby, let me ask you this. Uh, Representative Spendlove talked about that sales tax base. And obviously, uh, you know, I'm not an expert on sales tax policy, but knowing just the basics of, okay, we pay sales tax, that tax funds, you know, programs and, and our state government and things that we use as citizens. If you get rid of a tax on feminine hygiene products, how much money does it take from sales tax? And then how would you be able to replace said money that we need to fund our state? Thanks for the question, Lindsay. That's about a million dollars, a little over a million dollars in um, fiscal impact. The, um, the replacement of those funds, I don't know that those would get replaced other than with just expanded economic activity. Um, there's no direct correlation to any sort of replacement item that we would then turn around and tax. So, so if a million dollars is coming out of our state budget, is that something we can afford to get rid of? So that's a great question. And I think um, Robert's right. Tax policy actually is super exciting and it keeps us up at night. But, um, <laughs> but you know, afford and is it the right policy and is it based on the right principles is another question. You know, um, we often make decisions up here that have unintended consequences. And, and so we want to make sure that we're making the right decision based on the right principles. And so as Republican women represent Brooklyn, who's with me here today, and, and I and, and some of the other Republican women on the Hill met and discussed um, what could be a really good principle-based approach to this. And um, because there's lots of things that are medically necessary or necessary in the same way that feminine hygiene products are, but we still tax them. And we do have two differential tax rates in Utah, one for food and um, some food is actually not in that food category, but, and then one for other items. And so what we discussed was instead of doing a full exemption on just feminine hygiene products, taking some of those other necessities, adding them to, and doing just the lower tax rate, the food tax rate, because I think we can all agree that food is a necessity and medically necessary for our very lives every day. And so 
that's something that we discussed and, and came forward with as an idea. But as always, there's negotiations that happen behind the scenes and, and you know, what tax cut will benefit the most people. And those are discussions that are happening right now on this policy to see where's the best place that we can go in Utah. Yeah, I have some more questions on that that I want to dive into probably in the next segment. But let me ask you while I have you, Representative Lizenby. And uh, Representative Berkland, you're welcome to chime in on this too. Uh, Representative Lizenby, you did not support this uh, legislation to get rid of the sales tax on feminine hygiene products up until this year. Can you talk to me about what changed your mind? Yep. So that's a great question too. I know uh, my very first session back in 2017, I made the motion actually to, um, to, to basically move to the next agenda item, which in, in effect kills the bill in committee. And so, yes, I was against this policy and I voted against it. Um, but I voted against the exemption because I think there's a lot of things that are medically necessary that aren't included when we just talk about feminine hygiene products. And so I wanted to make sure that we were we were incorporating good tax policy. And so, yes, I didn't support it before. What changed my mind was the idea that we could really coalesce around good policy, principled-based policy, and saying, yes, we can lower this to the food tax rate, and we can add some other items like adult diapers and baby diapers that are similar in effect and and really create a good policy moving forward. Representative Berkland, did you want to talk about that too? Yeah, the only thing I would add is it is imperative that we consider both of our senior citizens with their adult diaper needs and you know young families who have children in infant diapers. We've got to make sure that our policy, whenever we're dealing with tax, is fair to the best of our ability. Yeah, so what do you guys see as a uh... A, a fair tax when it comes to this. It, are you are you going to get rid of it? What is the likelihood that it is going to make it through in this session? You know, we're still um, having discussions about that. And so if it doesn't make it through in this session, I'm certain it will be back next year and we'll continue the discussions. Okay. Very can I jump in on that please, too? Please, please. You know, and I think this just a, a few points to make as well. Um, you know, while it's a, a million dollars, and I think with the uh, with the changes that uh, Representative Lisenby and Berkland are making, it'll actually increase that cost to closer to is it three million dollars? Uh, so, so let's just let's just use the three million. That's a lot of money. Uh, but the total budget of the state of Utah is twenty one billion dollars, uh, which is uh, you know a lot bigger than three million. Um, the sales tax collections in the state of Utah is $2.7 billion. Uh, so yes, it is a big impact, but relative to the total size of our budget and of our sales tax collections, it's relatively small. And I think, Lindsay, you made a really good point about uh, what is medically necessary. And this is essentially just asking the question of how do we define what is medically necessary? And uh, you know what we're seeing is uh, that, that, well, and you know this is the point that Emily uh, has been making for a long time is this is absolutely medically necessary and we, uh, but it is difficult to kind of bring people people along, and um, that's kind of the nature of the of the uh, public policy process, is sometimes we'll make big uh, big strides but sometimes it's just in these small steps, and even if 
uh, we don't, uh, we aren't able to uh, get the bill across the line in a certain year. It's moving towards that right step. And, and, you know, I, I, I don't, I won't speak for Emily, but I'm, you know, kind of thinking my own progression where I went from opposing it uh, to supporting it, uh, you know, Representative Lizenby and, and I don't know where Representative Berkland came that came down before, but, you know, kind of building this coalition. So I think we are definitely moving in the right direction. Okay, we're going to take a break there. Um, I have more questions. <laughs> when you talk about, um, you know, principal policy versus the, the fiscal, the financial aspect of this, are, are those two different things? And kind of diving into some of those debates a little bit more. We'll take a break more on The Mom Show when we come back. You joined The Mom Show. Being a mom can be tough sometimes. We try to make it easier. Here's Lindsay Ertz on KSL News Radio. Welcome back into the Mom Show. Thank you for joining us. Talking about some legislation today that impacts moms and in particular women in the state of Utah. And that is a proposed bill to get rid of the sales tax on feminine hygiene products. Now, this bill has a long history of being up at the legislature. And every year it feels like we kick the can down the road. Uh, the briefest of histories is that in 2019, we actually put the um, getting rid of the sales tax on feminine hygiene products in the big tax restructuring we did in 2019. But that also included uh, getting rid of sales tax on or sorry, it, it involves some other tax policies around food and people did not like that entire tax policy. So we blew up the whole thing. So for 29 whole days, um, feminine hygiene products, pads and tampons were not taxed in the state of Utah. But here we are in 2021 and revisiting this issue again because uh, as of right now, our uh, products are still taxed. So I wanted to bring in Representative Spenlove. He is the co-sponsor of this bill. And Representative, can you walk through what things are tax? What things have sales tax? I mean, I know there's a giant list of things that have sales tax and things that don't. But some of the things that you argue don't have a sales tax when feminine hygiene products do. Well, most uh, most goods and services in the state are taxed, and so. Well, I, I'm sorry, I say that wrong. Most goods are are taxed. Very few services are taxed in the state, and that just goes back to kind of the foundation of the of the tax system. Uh, the you know the 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 sales tax was established a hundred years ago, and a hundred years ago, the way the world looked was very different than it looks today. But you're kind of, and this is one of the struggles with with. Um, especially with tax policy, because when you're talking about taxes, you're talking about money, right? And so the purpose of taxes is to collect revenue to fund, or collect, I'll, I'll say, collect money to fund government operations. We all recognize that government, you know, provides essential functions, uh, whether it's police protection or whether it's, uh, you know, access to our public lands or, uh, uh, you know, uh, social services protection. So there's a lot of important things that government does but we're stuck with this system that that was created a hundred years ago, or sometimes longer than hundred years ago. And so you think about the world that that existed back then, and you know, I always say I wish I could kind of start over from scratch and be able to say, okay, what's the best way to do this, and how do we define this, uh, define this system in which we collect revenue. But we are, we're stuck with the, the system that existed in the 1930s. So, you know, you mentioned the, the tax reform bill of uh, 2019. 
that was really a big part of that is kind of looking at the entire system and saying what you know what's the best uh, format for collecting revenue in the state of Utah on what should be taxed and what should not and so one of the arguments was that uh, if we want to have that broad base that I was talking about uh, we should be taxing more services if we want to have that broader base we should be taxing uh, you know all fruit food products the same um, and then but then also looking at some of those areas where we should not be taxing at the higher rate. And that's where, I, you know, we were, uh, Emily really was able to make the argument that this is a good uh, kind of policy change to remove these uh, these uh, feminine hygiene products. And, you know, it's, it's really interesting to me that the focus on the tax reform bill was so much just on the food tax. Um, and, uh, you know, and, and there were a lot of really good parts of that bill um, that weren't uh, that essentially got thrown out when the rest of the bill was repealed. And this is one of them. This is the one I always talk about is, you know, we were able to finally get this done after so many years. And, um, but the, the public didn't either didn't realize uh, or uh, were more concerned about the, the food impact than on uh, many of the positive impacts, uh, not only the, the feminine hygiene products, but also lower income taxes. We had an earned income tax credit for the first time. There were some amazing things, but unfortunately the, 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 the bill was repealed. And so there's a lot of these different areas where we're kind of having to start over again. Uh, and so that's kind of where we are, uh, where we are today. So forgive me if I don't fully um, know which things are taxed and which are not, but it's my understanding that arcade tokens don't have a tax in Utah. I believe that, and I don't know, I wish I had the list. I don't have the list in front of me. Um, there are, uh, so the, kind of the argument is, uh, we call them business inputs. And uh, and again, I don't want to get too deep into the, the policy or you know, the, the, the minutia of tax. But the argument is essentially, if something is an input into the final production of a good, uh, we don't want to be taxing it. And so that's where you get a lot of these uh, these business inputs. Um, <clears throat> that what's another example? But um, how many um, people are buying oh, arcade tokens in Utah? Like I, I know, just don't I see know. that as a high well, ticket I'm, item. <laughs> but it goes back to that history of you know that was probably put in 50 years ago. And I'm sure there was a great argument 50 years ago, but now we're stuck with that policy. Yeah. And, you know, and, yeah. And, and I recognize there's kind of this financial piece to this. And then there's kind of this like ethics piece to this, right? Like, like Representative Lisenby mentioned last segment, is this good tax policy? Um, there are some things that, you know, should we not tax because it's the right thing to do? Or should we not tax because we need the money? Like, you kind of have to weigh all those questions when it comes to a tax on feminine hygiene products. And I think for us as women, and on the surface, it's kind of easy to be like, listen, you the federal government does not tax Rogaine and Viagra because they deem it medically necessary, but yet pads and tampons are not medically necessary. How, how does, how do those things equate? It, they don't. <laughs> Honestly, there's no excuse. And you know that, well, that, and that was exactly what Emily said to me when we first met. And I'm like, yeah, you're right. I mean, it, it, they're just, I, I don't think there is a good policy argument to, to be taxing these. Well, it's really kind of your competing policy. Are you looking at, you know, the, trying to maintain your revenue base, 
but then you know we've already excluded many of these other products and so it, to me it's just a matter of being fair and treating uh, similar products similarly yeah, it's really important. Representative Spenlove proposing a bill up on Utah's Capitol Hill to get rid of the sales tax on feminine hygiene products. There would also be an amendment to uh, lower the tax rate for like adult diapers and for kids diapers, which all of us here on The Mom Show have used at one point or the other. We need to take a break. Emily Bell McCormick is joining us as well. Emily, I am going to bring you in on the next segment because I know 100% uh, you have some things to say on this bill. So we'll do that when we come back on The Mom Show. It's the toughest, most important job in the world. Four kids. If you want to know what it's like to have a fourth, just imagine you're drowning. And then someone hands you a baby. This is The Mom Show. It's where moms come to learn and share. Our host is Lindsay Ertz on KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. Welcome back into the Mom Show. Thank you for joining us. We are talking today about some proposed legislation up on Utah's Capitol Hill to get rid of the sales tax on feminine hygiene products and Obviously, when we kind of throw this bill out just in name only, it's being called the tampon tax, by the way, the so-called tampon tax bill. And when you just sort of throw it out like that, it's like, uh, yeah, let's get rid of a tax on feminine hygiene products because that makes sense and because women deserve this. And we shouldn't have to pay more for these things that we use every single month. And it just, you know, there are other products that are deemed medically necessary that maybe aren't necessarily medically necessary. You could argue that. But nonetheless, I recognize that there are money issues involved when you get rid of taxes and there, you know, there's there's all the politics involved in this. So joining me now, Representative Spenlove, he's the co-sponsor of this bill and also Emily Bell McCormick. She's a policy advocate working to get this legislation passed. Emily, let me bring you in real quick. Why is this bill so important to you? You know, I think it's it's what you said before and kind of the theme of this entire conversation is that it makes sense with existing policies we have. You know, we've decided in America, hey, there's some things within healthcare that we just need. And, and so we're not going to tax those things. And this falls in line with that. And there are a lot of arguments as to why it doesn't exist. But let me tell you, the reality is just we just haven't talked about it before. It's not there was never an oppressive policy saying, you know, we just really don't like those women. They're no good. We're not going to give it, you know, we're not going to give them a tax break on this. Um, it, it's really a function of there's been a stigma behind talking about menstruation. You know, it, it, it's awkward. And then historically, we know in America, the government has been um, a vast majority male. And really only in the recent years have women been active participants in public office. So it's, it's we've got this 100-year-old tax code, as Representative Spenlove was talking about. And, and we're talking about a time when, man, they probably didn't even feel like it was their place to be discussing these issues. So um, the reason that it's important is because this matters. It matters to women. It matters to girls. It matters to Utah families. You know, we've got... 40, 46%, almost 50, almost half of women um, earn low incomes and they have to choose between period products and a meal. I mean, that that should not be happening. And, and even if we have a difficult time, you know, coming from whatever amount of privilege, something that shouldn't feel foreign to us, you know, when, when you have children is that we've got one in five girls who miss school monthly 
due to a lack of access to period products. So those are just not numbers we can live with. And yeah, you know, you, we hear the argument about, about, well, you know, this is just sales tax. How much does it really save women or girls? It doesn't actually save you that much. You know, it, it, it doesn't save tons, but it's one step in the right direction. It's a step in the direction of policy and 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 government recognizing this is a need. You know, we're, we're gonna forego the stigma. We're gonna let go of those um, things that hung us up in the past and say, yeah, we got it. This is a need and, and we're here to make sure that your needs are taken care of. And Representative Spenlove, while I have your ear, I wanna get your thoughts on this and you're probably gonna feel like you're having to represent the entire male species in the conversation with <laughs> Emily and I, but I don't wanna make this a gender thing. But at the same time, Representative, there are times where as a woman, I just, I don't feel heard. I don't feel seen. I mean, this is policy that could really go a long way to send a message to Utah women, along with some other policy like the ERA and other policy like child, child friendly, child care friendly policies that, you know, would really go a long way to say, we see you, we get what you're struggling with. We get what you deal with every single day. And Sometimes I've lamented this to Emily before that I feel like I'm walking around with cement blocks on my feet. Like it's just harder to get where I'm trying to go. And I'm not sitting here saying I'm oppressed in any way. And I certainly don't believe you as men are sitting there with like a mean kid with a magnifying glass trying to hold us down. But, but sometimes, you know, it takes two to make a baby, but yet I'm the one who has to pay attention to birth control or, you know, there aren't maternity friendly policies out there. There, there aren't even parental friendly policies out there, to be honest. But I guess all of this just to say, at what point do we try to pass this legislation because it's the right thing to do? Right now. But (laughs) so, and you know, that's why I was, I was actually really honored that, you know, Emily came to me and asked me to help with this. Um, and because one of the struggles is, uh, and Emily mentioned this, it, it is uncomfortable for a lot of men to talk about these issues. And, and, and I, I think she's absolutely right. There, there isn't some attempt to suppress or control. It's just there's, a, there, there's this apprehension because it's uncomfortable and it's, they're nervous about it. And so I think we need to ha- be having these conversations. I think it's essential to be having these conversations uh, and, and be moving these policies along. What do you see, Representative, as the holdup in the state legislature? Again, there's some, I think the three of us are all, you know, kind of saying this might be the right thing to do, but there are clearly some uh, adverse, uh, it, whether it's financial or it's just your belief in the way the tra- tax structure should be, and this doesn't feel that important to you to get rid of. What are the holdups on this bill? The number one holdup, and, and it is a valid point. It's it, it's back to that tax policy concern, and the the the, the kind of the counterpoint and the point that people have been making uh, to Emily and me as we've been pushing this is. Uh, that slippery slope argument of you know uh, if you if you have feminine hygiene products and then you pull in uh, adult and children's diapers and then you know what about wipes well you can't you can't have a diaper without a wipe and then you know what if you pull in toilet paper and then you you know and then you start saying well you know you also can't uh, you really need soap um, you know so that that's where that's where they start saying well if we go too far with this we essentially just you know, aren't able to collect revenue anymore. And I get it. And I agree. And I, I, I push back on a lot of those 
you know, uh, we need to be, we do need to be careful about defining that list too widely. Um, but then, uh, you know, I come back to it and I just say, this is such an important area. And it, 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 to me, a lot of it is just sending that strong message that we do support women, that we recognize that this is essential. And I do think we need to keep that narrow and I will fight expanding that list uh, uh, beyond where it is, because I think we need to say, yes, uh, we want to make sure that we're not uh, degrading our, our uh, tax base, but there are areas that are so important that we should make exceptions. Yeah, and I have talked to, I've asked this question of both House and Senate leadership as of this moment, as of this recording, and um, Speaker Brad Wilson said he agreed that there he thought there were some things we needed to look at to determine, you know, what things uh, should be taxed, should not be taxed, and um, he agreed that that list needed to be look at, looked at, and um uh, President and President Stuart Adams said more or less, we'll wait for the House to send over the bill to see what's in it, which is a very politician-y way of saying, we don't know yet. We're not going to answer your question, which I get a lot in the media. That's fine. Um, but what uh, what are, and forgive me for asking at this point, but what are the politics behind this? Is there, are there some people who just are like, we don't want to do this bill because you're not giving us this bill. Are there any politics behind it? There is, there, there is kind of an interesting uh, political dynamic related to the tax reform bill. Um, and, you know, and there was kind of this uh, give and take. And, and there are some, you know, that, that so, you know, kind of what, what I've been advocating is we should take, uh, you know, there were parts of the tax bill that the public didn't like. We should leave those to the side, and there are parts that the public did like, and and I'd like to bring those back in. Um, and but there, you know, but there still is that. There, there's always going to be give and take. There's always going to be a negotiation, um, and it, you know, not just with the House and Senate, but also with the, the governor's office. I'm not sure, uh, you know, uh, exactly what the governor's office is thinking about this. Uh, about different, you know, there's different uh, kinds of advocates. There's different. Uh, uh, you know, lobbying groups and different things. And, and so it, it, it's not, a, a, nothing's a sure thing. And we are making some good strides, but we still got to kind of work through some of those issues. And I'll tell you, what, one of the hard parts too, is once you've taken a position on, a, on an issue, uh, it's, it is difficult to, to change on that position. And that's one of kind of the struggles that, uh, that, representatives often have is they come in, you know, they kind of develop their initial position and they don't want to be seen <clears throat> as being wishy-washy. They don't want to be seen as going back on their word. And so I think that's probably the most difficult part of this entire process is convincing people who've had a policy on, you know, had, had a policy position on this issue to kind of reverse that policy. And that, that's really the hardest part, I think. Right, but we're not talking about like a moral issue here. We're not really talking about, you know, something like if if my senator came to me and was like, I I didn't support a, ta a tampon tax last year, but this year I do support it. I'd be like, cool, what changed your mind? Like, I guess I just, as a constituent, I don't really see that as a as a problem as long as like your core beliefs are there. 
I don't really see like that feels too political to me. I, I agree. And, and that's what, you know, that's kind of what we're trying to bring people along. Um, but then there's always that soundbite. So I'm going to date myself a little bit. I think it was John Kerry that um, got hit with a statement that he said, where he said, I voted against the bill before I voted for it. And everyone said, see, he's the, he's the problem in politics. He can't come up, make up his mind. And so, you know, it, it, it's good to hear you say that, but that at the same time, we, I can, I can tell you, we will be attacked for changing a position and it, it, we shouldn't be because I think you should be able to adjust uh, your position based on more information or more understanding but but we do get attacked for doing that it, it, it is it is tough to switch your position yeah and I understand that but every piece of legislation has different language in it so it's almost just like the way the bill is written that's like what you're agreeing to or not agreeing to kind of thing so that's kind of off topic and we can go back and forth about whether or not that's right or not but we're chatting with representative Spenlove he is uh, proposing a bill to get rid of the sales tax on feminine hygiene products uh, along with Emily Bell McCormick she is a, a policy advocate working to get rid of this as well we'll take a break more with these two when we come back on the mom show back inside the mom show dads are welcome but moms come here to be heard we're with Lindsay Ertz on ksl news radio Welcome back into the Mom Show. Thank you for joining us today. I am Lindsay Ertz. We've been talking about this legislation proposed up on Utah's Capitol Hill to get rid of the sales tax on feminine hygiene products. There's also a piece of the bill that may um, lower the sales tax rate on um, adult diapers, on incontinence products. So uh, this is really some tax policy that could affect a lot of people in Utah, and in particular women in Utah who are using specifically the feminine hygiene products, also the diapers. We use a lot of those, although dads change diapers too, I would argue. Um, so Representative Sven Love is joining us now. He is one of the co-sponsors on the bill, as is Emily Bell McCormick. She is a policy advocate working on this as well. Emily, let me start with you. What are, what are some of the other women's issues and policies that are out there right now um, that you guys are working on? Well, this year um, for women's issues in the state of Utah, we've got the Equal Rights Amendment, which has been a perpetual um, issue that comes up that's being co-sponsored by, uh, um, rep or, I'm sorry, Senator Reby and Senator Colmore. Kind of cool because it has bipartisan support this year in the Senate. There's also some childcare issues that will be dealt with um, this year, but the, the um, general goal and one reason that we're really focused on uh, the tampon tax, the so-called tampon tax, is just this idea of menstrual policy. It's actually really far-reaching and a lot broader and wider than one would expect. It feels like, oh, we'll just do this one thing. We got the tampon tax. Let's get it done. Let's move on with life. Uh, but there's actually quite a bit out there when it comes to this issue. Yeah, and that's really interesting. Um, Representative Spenlove, let me bring you back in and ask you, um, what what is the likelihood of some of this legislation making it through? What is the likelihood Utah women won't have to pay sales tax on their feminine hygiene products come 2022? So it, it, it is still a difficult path. It's still a, a matter of education and helping people come along and helping people understand it. Uh, but uh, other than last year when it actually became law, um, I feel like it's the, the the closest we've ever come to getting this. And so I, I am really encouraged by it. I think there is a, a potential window of opportunity that exists right now 
that hasn't existed in the past. Um, so I, I, I do feel really good about it. And let me ask you this, too. We've seen a lot of reports in the news that the state has excess money this year because we tightened our belts at the beginning of the pandemic. We cut some stuff. Also, people spent their stimulus checks here in Utah. So we got some extra tax revenue that we didn't think we were going to have from that. So we have this this $80 million that's been thrown out of extra money. Um, we've used about half of that to go towards cutting taxes for some fixed income groups like those on Social Security and those uh, in the military. There's been other tax cuts thrown around. Republicans have dubbed this the year of the tax cut. Why can we not include this as we're, we're looking to give this money back? So that's where the nerd in me has to come back out. Um, everything they're talking about are income tax cuts. We're, uh, with This is a sales tax cut. And most of our uh, extra revenue or a lot of that, that, well, so there's income tax and sales tax. And then there's ongoing revenue and one-time revenue. This is, it, you know, your, your head wants to explode because it's so confusing. But um, so most of what we've seen is one-time revenue. And when you cut taxes, you're, you're cutting your ongoing revenue. Um, and then on the other side, uh, most of the cuts that you're seeing, the Social Security, the military exemptions are all um, on the income tax I believe this would be, if, if this is successful, it would be one of the only, if not the only, cut to the sales tax. And that that is another reason why it's getting some pushback. One of the struggles is, you know, if, if this were to be successful, there would be other groups that would say, well, you need to include us too. It's kind of back to that slippery slope. And so um, it would be pretty, uh, it, it would be um, uh, pretty significant because it would be the only kind of sales tax cut that if we're able to do it, that that passes. I want to, in our final minute here, give you each your final pitch for why we should get rid of the sales tax on feminine hygiene products. Representative uh, Spenlove, I'll let you go first and then I'll turn it over to Emily. Well, I'll tell you, it was really easy for me. Actually, I didn't, I didn't immediately go along with it. When Emily came to me two years ago and she pitched it, I said, I have to think about it. What I did was I went home and I talked to my wife and I talked to my two daughters and I said, okay, what, what do you think about this? And, and they actually thought it over too. They didn't just automatically respond. And my wife said, I think it makes sense. And so, you know, that was enough for me. Once, uh, once I talked to the women that really mattered to me and they supported it, I supported it too. And so I'd, I'd say, you know, that, that it's, it's uh, important, and I think we have some great opportunity right now. And I think, too, we didn't even dive into the way it impacts low-income women. You know, Emily and I have had this conversation before where she and I, as privileged white women, it's not really going to impact our pocketbooks if we don't pay sales tax, frankly, on feminine hygiene products. But if you only make $30,000 a year and you're trying to, uh, you know, buy these products that you have to buy every single month – and a portion of that is taxed, you know, that's that's a large percentage of your income that you may not have. And you may just decide that I can't afford these. I'd rather feed my kid this year. Yeah. And um, I'll tell you, I, I'm fortunate that I'm not there anymore. But when when my wife and I first got married um, and we were, you know, young and really struggling, we were there. And it really is hard. We were our special occasion was once a month we would go to Burger King. And, you know, and, and when you're that tight, when you're struggling that much, 
it, these what what seem to to us uh, now seem like small expenses can are enormous, and it really does have a big uh, benefit to to help uh, these women that are struggling with these expenses. Emily, we've talked about some of the reason it would benefit women, some of the reason it would benefit low-income women. We've talked about all the logistics and the politics around the <laughs> tax, um, getting rid of the sales tax on feminine hygiene products. What is your final plea to lawmakers out there and your final pitch to why this is a good idea in Utah? You know, I think Utah is a place that just values families. This is just in our history, it's in our heritage, it's what we do. And it's a place where it's time for some of the policies to line up with the way that we value families and the way we value our neighbor. I mean, it's a beautiful state because there's this strong, long held belief that we are in charge of taking care of our neighbors. And I think, you know, this is just a policy. It's a small thing. It does not cost the state a lot, but it is one way that we can show, listen, we care. We didn't know this was an issue before. We know now, and we're going to take care of it. We're going to take care of our family. We're going to take care of our neighbor. We're going to take care of our women. Representative Spenlove, Emily Bell McCormick, both working on this uh, legislation that would get rid of the sales tax on feminine hygiene products. Thank you both for explaining all the issues around this this week. And we'll be back next week on The Mom Show.